The first transfer portal window is closed. Getting to the deadline of adding players before enrollment in order to be eligible for spring. We're going to talk about how Florida managed the transfer portal here on Locked on Gators. You are Locked on Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with whole nine sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Today, we're talking about the transfer portal for how the Florida Gators managed it, not talking about losing players, none of that. Who Florida brought in or didn't bring in, and how they kind of took this first window approach uh, because, I mean, we, we know going into this offseason, it was Florida needs to crush this transfer portal window. Um, I think they did at some spots, not so much at others. Just looking at the class you brought in, I'm just going to read it from top to bottom of this list, which on 24-7 looks like it's most recent to first editions. DJ Douglas, two-lane defensive back. Devin Manuel. Uh, Arkansas offensive lineman, George Gums, Northern Illinois edge, Grayson Howard, South Carolina linebacker, Chimere Dike, Wisconsin wide receiver, uh, Trickways Bridges, Oregon defensive back, Joey Slackman, Penn defensive lineman, and Brandon Crenshaw Dixon, South Dakota State, uh, San Diego State offensive tackle. So looking at who you brought in, I think for me, the biggest immediate ad, as in who's going to make the biggest impact from day one, you look at the first two in Joey Slackman and Brandon Crenshaw Dixon. I think that just in terms of you needed help along the defensive line, honestly, just just so desperately, um, Joey Slackman being that guy that you brought in is huge. Like I've said, I get it. A lot of people are going to say Grayson Howard. We'll talk about him in a few minutes. But for me, it's Joey Slackman as the absolute biggest impact player immediately because his presence alone improves your linebacker play. Improving linebacker play does not impact the defensive line that much. However, improving the defensive line does play a significant impact on making life easier for your linebackers. I've said it before. I think about 20% of linebacker play is the defensive lineman in front of you. It's no surprise that when you look at the best defenses in the NFL, when you look at the best defenses all around, even if they have players that are thought of as like eh, linebackers, if they have good, good defensive lines in front of them, they tend to thrive. Look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did in 2022 when it was like TJ Edwards out there and Kaiser White 
And they're not world beaters by any sense of the word or any stretch of the imagination, but having an elite defensive line in front of them helped them improve significantly. And, and so looking at that, and obviously it translates to college as well, but I think that having an improved defensive line makes your linebacker play. It makes their jobs easier, but it also is just Joey Slackman in general is a hell of a football player. Even if you had good linebacker play to begin with, Joey Slackman made your defense better significantly. I've said it a million times. I feel like last year where Florida kept running into issues was that the only player generating pressure on an even somewhat consistent basis, I don't care how you feel about him, on a somewhat consistent basis was Prince Leon Mielin. That's it. Princely for this Florida Gators defense in 2023 had 45 pressures. Second most was Caleb Banks with 24. Then Kelby Collins with 20. Then Tyreek Sapp with 13, which by the way, 24, 20, 13, not good numbers. Just not as far as your secondary, third, and fourth pass rushers go. Like Scooby Williams also had 13. Off-ball linebacker had 13 pressures, had had tied for the fourth most pressures on your team. That's terrible, okay? Uh, Caleb Banks being a, a defensive, interior defensive lineman, getting those 24 pressures, like, uh, that's okay because you're looking at it from an interior defensive lineman, but your edges just produced nothing. Kelby Collins being second is the most impressive part because he did it in the half the snaps of Princely, uh, more than half of the pass rushing snaps, half of the total snaps, because Kelby did not play against many teams that were running a ton. Um, but Princely, 45 pressures was the most there. I think that was like mid-20s in the nation. Uh, seven sacks, I know, isn't what anybody wanted, whatever. But looking at what Princely brought, and then the significant drop-off. Your second leading pass rusher should never have basically half of the pressures that your starter had. And they played only 40 snaps difference between them um, against the pass. So I think adding a guy like Joey Slackman really improves everything, because I think he'll be an upgrade over Caleb Banks. But on top of that, I think that Joey Slackman, if you look at Let's say you're playing a team that might be running the football a lot, that they tend to do that. You could put Caleb Banks, Joey Slackman on the field at the same time, both at that F spot and the and the big defensive end, that, that three-tech spot. I'm not saying that they will, but that's what I would do there. But I, I think that adding Joey Slackman just gives you such improved defensive line play and will improve your linebacker play. So for me, that's why it's the, the biggest immediate impact add. And Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon, on the offensive line, of course, makes this offensive line better because it means that you're not starting both Austin Barber and Damian George at offensive tackle. That's a win in and of itself. And frankly, I again, I think that Damian George would be better suited to play guard. That is not based... I, I hate that I keep seeing people in Twitter spaces and I've seen articles where they go, Damian George played guard. Like, Damian George was, was a guard at Alabama. No, he wasn't. Damian George has not played a single snap at guard or center throughout his entire career. Maybe he, he practiced at guard a bit. Maybe he did that. But 
playing guard, he has not done throughout his entire career. I think his skill set better suits him for guard, and that's fair. I think I think that's fair to say, but he's never done it in game. Just want to throw that one out there. Um, he's never done it in game, so there's no guarantee that he can do it and do it well. But if now your left tackle is Brandon Crenshaw Dixon and right tackle is Austin Barber, that's that's an okay group with me. Like I'm fine with that. I think added Devin Manuel. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's played left tackle only throughout his career um, at Arkansas. Just pull up those snaps. But if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he's only played left tackle throughout his career uh, there. And yeah, all 423 snaps he's played in his career have been at left tackle. So if you had Devin Manuel and then you go, all right, well, we're going to play him at left tackle and Brandon Crenshaw Dixon at right tackle and Austin Barber, you're going to be on the bench. That's fine by me. Uh, I, I think Austin Barber's play last year was nothing short of absolutely horrendous. And so if if a change is needed to improve your offensive line play, then so be it. I don't care. This We're at the point where Florida needs to do whatever they can to win football games. And if that means, hey, we got to sit some players that are considered fan favorites and that have high expectations, then sit them. I, I truly, genuinely don't care. Uh, I will say that in the spring, we'll probably see a bit of a battle for the tackle spot. And it wouldn't shock me if someone like Austin Barber or Damian George ended up hitting the portal if they lost those battles or if Damian George tried to move the guard and it didn't work. Would not shock me if we saw one of those guys hit the portal because I'm not convinced that you've got two starter quality tackles on the roster, including the transfers. I think you have Brandon Crenshaw Dixon as one but I'm not convinced either way. We'll talk about the guys that I'm a little skeptical of for the 2024 season in just a second. But first, we're going to get a quick word from LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move that I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. It's kind of like football. You look at, oh, like like Billy Napier's a CEO type, but he doesn't have a good DC or he doesn't have an OC when he really should when he really should have someone calling plays for him, whatever it may be. You look at and it's not just a that's not just a Billy Napier thing. You look at Matt Campbell at Iowa State, it's the same thing. You look at so many coaches that don't call plays, it's because they need to surround themselves with a good staff. And and that's that's what hurts. But guess what? For you. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And hiring's easy when you have, guess how many? More than a billion professionals available. Yeah, quality candidates too, not just everybody. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to really do all the work of looking into it. That's why LinkedIn helps do it for you. The process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast and on YouTube. And there's a few hires or a few ads. Sorry, I'm still in LinkedIn mode. Uh, there was a few ads from this transfer portal class that, again, I, I'm not saying I don't think will work out, 
but I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach to them. Like first off is going to be George Gums, and I think that's a very obvious one. Uh, edge rusher from Northern Illinois. And it's not that I'm like, oh, he he's not good. It's just that this past year was his first year playing edge. He was a tight end before that. And so I'm not just going to go, oh, yeah, he could he could totally just slot in and, and succeed at the SEC level. Uh, he did play as he played the first half of the season as a rotational edge, and then he eventually started the last half of the season. And I, I guess was like, hey, let me go somewhere to where I can kind of thrive better. And for Florida, they, they felt like they saw something on film that kind of gave them uh, kind of gave them a sign that he can succeed at the next level. And so last season, he only had 17 pressures, but again, started half the year, basically like, like right down the middle um, and, and had some big games. He looked at Akron, he had five of his pressures against them. Uh, Toledo, he came off the bench, but he he did have a pressure in that one as well. And this is the one that, like, the, the easiest one where I'm somewhat skeptical of it, just because we're looking at a guy that was a, a tight end in the MAC, which everybody here knows. I love the MAC. Big MAC guy. Big fan of action. He's a tight end in the MAC. He then moved to Edge in the MAC. Had a decent year. Decent. And now is coming to the SEC. I look at him as a high ceiling ad. Yeah. He's got, I believe, two years of eligibility remaining. We'll see if he could take that jump. Because it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that a guy who moved to edge and took the leap from Mac to SEC sees a big jump in his development. Because you're going to see improved coaching. You're going to have, hopefully, improved players around you. And also, you're still learning the position. Like, like your first year as an edge rusher, you're basically a, a baby deer. You just have no idea what's really going on. So for George Gums, I get it. Like, I, I get the ad and saying, all right, we're going to add someone that we think can make a, an improvement or can make a big jump or can uh, contribute to this team in the future. But for me right now, I'm... I'm Completely in wait and see mode with that. And I think everybody is. I think everybody's like, okay, you added an edge rusher, which you desperately needed, but did you address edge rusher really? Or did you just add a guy there? Because I don't think that you addressed edge. I, it'd be awesome if he did, but I'm not going to go, oh yeah, the guy that had an okay year in the Mac is going to come in and be a big time player at the SEC level. And again, I say that as someone that loves the Mac, I mean, I have a Mac school tattooed on my arm. Uh, so I, I think we know that, but for me, I'm not going to slate that in as he's going to make a big impact immediately. Another guy that I'm skeptical, not, not, I don't want to say skeptical, but I'm taking a wait and see approach of is Devin Manuel, who I talked about in the last segment where, Hey, maybe he's the starter at right tackle. Maybe he is, but the fact remains that yes, in the spring last year, he was, expected to be the starting offensive tackle for Arkansas. He was expected to be the starting left tackle for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Then he got injured and essentially lost the job. And then he came back. He ended the year as the starter, but yeah, I I have a hard time just going. He's going to be the guy Uh, because you just look at how things went 
And yes, he was expected to be the starter and then he got hurt. And then he didn't get the starting job back is how I look at it, at least. Maybe that's me being a bit skeptical. But the way that I look at it is that he didn't get the starting job back. Like, yeah, I, I fully get, oh, you know, he got hurt. He lost his starting job, whatever it is. He didn't get it back when he was healthy. He was a, a rotational player for the first two games. And then there was an injury that forced him uh, or an in-game injury that forced him to start the remainder of the game against LSU. Uh, and then he was the starter for the Texas A&M game. And then he wasn't, again, the starter until after the Florida game. He started against Auburn, Florida International, and Missouri. But And I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's good. I am saying that he should be competing for a starting spot but I'm not going to slate him as, in as a starting offensive tackle immediately. Because we've seen this staff take guys who it's like, oh yeah, he was a starter and then he got hurt and then he couldn't find the rotation again with a guy like 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 Jalen Kimber is the name that I think of. And I'm not saying Devin Manuel is going to just crash and burn the way that the Jalen Kimber edition did. But I am going to say that that we've seen this happen before where I think it's reasonable to go, all right, there's some not cause for concern, but there's reason to not just go, oh yeah, things are going to work out great. You look at the PFF grades, you look at the pressures allowed, Devin Manuel is great. He's he's an analytic dream. 6'9", 310 pounds. Uh, he allowed, it, it's eight pressures through 195 pass blocking snaps, eight pressures through the season, which by the way, I know I've said it before, Florida starting tackles in 2023 allowed 45 pressures and they didn't even start every game together. So I think that Devin Manuel should immediately come in and compete for a starting spot, but I don't, and and he could be a home run addition. Like it could be awesome, but I'm not going to say the guy who struggled to get his starting spot back with an Arkansas offensive line that was not good in 2023 is going to succeed. Again, I, I will not write someone off, especially when they're changing in their environment and they're changing their school and they're changing their system. I will not write someone off as won't work out. But I will say that there are some of these additions that I, I have to be in wait and see mode. Like there's just no other way to put it. I have to look at the George Gums editions and the Devin Manuel editions and say, yeah, I, I think there's genuine cause for concern. You can watch the film and and, and like what you see with Devin Manuel uh, and, and George Gums as well. But I am going to say that when we look at what we want from the portal is bona fide group of five starters or, or non-power five starters that are looking to take the next step up into the SEC before going to the NFL and just clear cut bona fide power five starters that are either looking to take the next step up to the SEC, or if you're already in the SEC, you're looking to change where you're at. If you don't like whatever it is about the current environment at that school, if, if you had a coaching change, whatever it is, if you're chasing a bag, I don't give a damn. That's what we're looking for though. Guys that are bona fide starters that are looking to come to Florida. And I view the George Gums and Devin Manuel editions as guys who are potential starters looking to come to Florida and start. 
And so for me, I'm looking at the offensive tackle room and I'm going, all right, Brandon Crenshaw Dixon, Devin Manuel are the new guys thrown in there. You can put Fletcher or Westfall in there if you want, but I, I have no expectation of him to play much at all this year. Uh, just the high school freshman or college freshman coming from high school, I don't expect you to start uh, or play along the offensive line. So Brandon Crenshaw Dixon, Devin Manuel, the, the new guys from the portal, Austin Barber, Damian George, if you want to keep them in there, uh, Cam Waits, if you want to keep him in there. They're the guys that are all going to be competing for two tackle spots. And I, I think I'm looking at Brandon Crenshaw Dixon will start at one, Devin Manuel and Austin Barber will start at the other. But given how Florida rotates their offensive tackles anyway, it wouldn't shock me if we saw Brandon Crenshaw Dixon, you know, start at right tackle with Devin Manuel starting at left tackle or Brandon Crenshaw Dixon starting at left tackle with Austin Barber starting at right tackle. And then you can rotate in whatever you want. If you start Brandon Crenshaw Dixon at left, Austin Barber at right, then when Devin Manuel comes in, maybe you move Brandon Crenshaw Dixon to right and Devin Manuel at left. If you start with Devin Manuel at left, Brandon Crenshaw Dixon at right, when Austin Barber comes in, you put BCD at left tackle and Austin Barber at right tackle, and, and maybe that's the approach that you take. Uh, but I, like I said, been skeptical of some of these ads. Not that I hate them, but I'm in wait-and-see mode, and, and I think that's a relatively fair approach to take. We're going to talk about what Florida can do to address their needs before we hit the end, really, of the en enrollment period, which, if I'm not mistaken, is Friday night. Uh, but first, we're going to have a quick word from FanDuel. Today's episode of Lock on Gators is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapped up. If it's playoff season, baby. Playoffs. I love it. Uh, college football is wrapped up. Congrats, I guess, Michigan. Like, I had your money line. I had your spread. So thanks for covering those, at least. Uh, Would have liked it if you hit the over of 54 and a half. But hey, why, why would I expect you to do that? Right? Thanks. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet on FanDuel. It's 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed. Win or lose. Doesn't matter. Five bucks. Throw it on something crazy. Th throw it on, I don't know, just just six random players in the NBA to make three threes in a game and just just hope just hope it works. And it's five bucks, and then you you get 150 bonus bets. So right. Right. So I'm saying. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown and make your first bet a layup. And remember that FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And to wrap up today's show, we're going to talk about a few of the Florida Gators' needs still where, again, like I mentioned, you're, you're kind of approaching the the end of the time where you can add them because they do have to be enrolled uh, by by the deadline, uh, by the university's deadline in order to be eligible to practice in spring ball and all that. And someone mentioned this in the Lockdown Gators Discord uh, yesterday. I will say, I would rather not fill those scholarship spots than just add players to add players. Like, yeah, you've missed whatever it might be, whatever the reason that you have extra scholarship spots still uh, because you didn't get the guys you were trying to, or you decided to not take some guys that you, that you initially thought you wanted, whatever it may be. I would rather 
not just add players. Because one thing that you can do is for the spring semester, put a player, put a walk-on player on scholarship for the spring. And then after the spring winds, after the spring ends, you go, all right, now like you're back to walk-on status. We're going to look into the portal for players and do that. Whereas if you bring in a guy from the portal, you kind of have to keep him. Uh, so for me, I'd rather just have those spots open by the end of Friday as opposed to adding a guy just to add a guy. If it's a guy that you think can play and can contribute, then absolutely go do it. But I will say that, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking at adding just to hit 85. Don't think that's the right approach. However, if you are still going to add players, first spot I'm looking at is edge. I think that when you lost Princely, uh, to Ole Miss of all places, just I hate Lane Kiffin. Um, but when you look at the edge spot, you lost Princely. You have Kelby Collins and TJ Searcy, who I, on film, like they put out good film for true freshmen. However, small sample size. Every time they came in the game was fresh legs, frequently going against offensive tackles that have been in the game. I'm not saying that they weren't good. I am saying that with context, it matters that they weren't elite. And to expect them to take a jump to elite in year two, I don't think it's reasonable to expect, especially both of them, to take a big jump. Like, I think that TJ Searcy is more likely to play Jack spot. I think that he had some pretty damn good film in 2023 from that Jack spot. But again, I'm not going to just pencil you in as an immediate success. I would have preferred that you add some experience to the room because even George Gums, who's been in college for a few years, has only been playing edge for one year. So your your Jack spot specifically is very inexperienced and they're going to have to, like, like your development's going to have to kick up mightily in order to really make some significant progress there. Because what we talked about with Princely was, oh, with, with Princely, all you had to do was watch him and there was no other pass rush threat, so you could just double or even triple team Princely and, and call it a day because you knew the rest of the pass rush wasn't going to hit home unless there was a blitz. And if there was a blitz, odds are someone was going to be wide open for your uh, for your pass catchers. Now that you don't have Princely, it's like, okay, the best pass rushing threat on the team is Joey Slackman. It's easier to double team a guy on the interior of the defensive line. Because when you're looking at an edge, like the jack spot, you're looking at, okay, Princely, we need to have a tackle and a tight end or a running back and chip. Now you go, okay, their, their jack spot's not a threat. We could have the center and the guard both pick up Joey Slackman. Gar the other guard handles Cam Jackson because he's not a real pass rushing threat. The other tackle handles the F, that strong side defensive end spot. And then your other tackle handles the jack spot. And that spot is not a proven talent anywhere. So, and I know that Florida did not add Cassius Howell. Uh, from what I was told, th they didn't necessarily push too hard when he was on campus that the visit uh, from Florida side of things that, that they, they weren't massive fans of it. Um, I think that was a terrible decision. I still would have taken him. I know that a lot of people go, oh, wasn't a take as a, uh, as a way to just kind of dismiss a player. Hell no. Uh, I would have taken Cassius Howell 10 times out of 10. I, I'm not sure if it was like, oh, the film or the measurables wouldn't have translated to the SEC. Hell no. I'm taking Cassius Howell if I could. 
Uh, instead, Florida gets to see him. So there's that. Uh, corner is another spot that, or if I'm actually, I'll just say I'll say corner and uh, star spot would be still spots that I'm looking at. DJ Douglas can play star. I think he's better suited to safety. Yam Banks could play star. Has not announced where he's gonna go yet. I know that I think it's on three. Hasn't like trending to Ole Miss. Um, uncommitted till he's uncommitted. You know. Uh, but corner was a spot where Florida was looking at John Humphrey. He ended up going to USC or sorry. He went from UCLA committed to USC, took a visit to Florida and ended up remaining with his commitment to USC. I'm not sure uh, what happened there, but I will also say that he followed his DC from UCLA to USC and at USC, the defensive backs coach is Doug Belk, who was the Houston defensive coordinator when Billy Napier wanted, or when Billy Napier came over, I wanted Florida to look at Doug Belk as a DC. When the Houston staff got fired this past winter, I wanted Billy Napier to look at Doug Belk as, as someone to bring in for defensive backs coach when he eventually hired Will Harris. Um, so you got a hell of a, a hell of a secondary coach there at USC. So I, I get staying there. Uh, personally, and I've said this uh, a bunch of times, and every time I say it, it's met with backlash. Running backs a spot I would have addressed in the portal. Montreal Johnson has not announced what he's going to do yet, officially. He has not announced that. The expectation is that he will be back. However, if he's not back, I'm personally not comfortable with going Cam Carroll, uh, Trayon Webb, Cannon Daniels and Jaden Ball are our starting running backs or are, are going to be the running backs that play. I'm not comfortable with that. Even when Montreal does come back, I'm still not fully comfortable with going Cam Carroll, Tron Webb, Jaden Ball, and Cannon Daniels are the guys. And I, I love Cannon Daniels' film. I like what I like what Trayon Webb does. We have no idea what's going to go on with Cam Carroll. He's dealt with injuries the past couple of years. There's rumors that he may have uh, a longer term injury that's going to hold him back even longer and then there's tr two true freshmen and you've still got an eh offensive line i'm not saying that the running back room is bad i'm saying that you can't say it's good without montrell johnson and even with montrell johnson you're one injury away from it being not good uh so for me i would have still addressed running back but florida you've got a few roster spots available I don't think they're going to be looking at the offensive line for the rest of it. I do think that you will probably add another guy or two, probably go into spring with one or two scholarship spots available and probably give that to a walk-on for the spring. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free. Right this in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, maybe later, but tomorrow at the latest to talk more Florida Gators football tomorrow after the game against Ole Miss, after the men's basketball game against Ole Miss, we will be going live. That's that's the plan now. SEC play, we go live after games. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Uh, find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33, and I will see you all tomorrow.